My name is Letitia Shelton and this is an episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific podcast. If you're new to our podcast, we like to dive into some of those taboo issues around the Pacific, especially sexual abuse, domestic violence, pornography. We've been telling stories, we've been talking to experts, leaders in these fields, just to really do what we can to raise awareness and bring solutions. Today we have another story. It's it's a really painful story actually, like all the stories are. Um, But we, again, just want to keep highlighting these issues because I I believe that Jesus gives voice to the pain. In the Bible, again and again, in in books like Lamentations, the Psalms, um, all throughout the Bible, um, Jesus never covered up pain. He never covered up reality. uh, And it's all there. And so part of what we're wanting to do is just um, give voice to the pain. And there's a lot of pain out there, particularly in the Pacific Islands. And today my guest is Memsi. Welcome, Memsi. How are you? Good. Um, you're actually in the city of Hamilton. Have I got it right? Yes. Yeah, in New Zealand. And I met you last year when I was traveling for, um, through about six cities in New Zealand, speaking to different Fijian groups. A lot of Fijians live in New Zealand. And we were really talking about disrupting the silence and the shame around abuse. And you actually had me in your home and we had a great night there with a small group of people. And I remember at the end of the night, you started just to share your story Um, and what impacted me. And this is what I really want to pick up today was the fact that you were in a church, a a church in Hamilton, a Fijian church. That's correct. Um, And you had asked for help. um, But the help they gave you was really um, not helpful at all. And we'll talk a bit more about that, because when I go to Fiji, and I'll be there in a few weeks' time. I've been doing a lot of training with pastors because what the church is doing is is actually adding to a lot of the problem. So that's um, what we'll touch on a bit today. But currently you are um, in a court case. Your ex-husband, well, your your marriage is not quite yet, your divorce is not quite yet finalised, is it? Still on the process of filling the papers. Yeah. Is a long process here in New Zealand. Yeah. So you, you put in um, your divorce papers. Uh, your ex-husband will be going to court for eight counts of sexual assault against mm-hmm. you. Um, but let's rewind to 2014 when you got married to him. Uh, it was an arranged marriage. So just tell us how all that came about. Um, in 2014, April, I was... Um, been arranged by the sister the first cousin sister like because he was looking for a partner and uh, the sister the first cousin sister approached me and um, asked if I was in a relationship which I was not I was a single mom back then I was separated so I was said yeah I would love to because we go to the same church as the first cousin said so I was kind of happy and in my thought like you know this is easy like, because we go to the same church and then he'll love me and for who I am with my kids. So I said yes to the month of April. So we started talking on the phone uh, through Messenger uh, until he came in August for the church conference in uh, Lotoka. That was the um, um, national conference that was held in Saru. So we met up. He came for two weeks and I didn't even know that he wanted to get married so 
we got married um, at the Lotaka Magistrate Court without a ring. So I was feeling, you know, how would someone do that? So I was like, okay, fine. This is a short period of time getting married without ring, just signing the papers. And then he flew back the following week to New Zealand. And then I have to apply for my papers. Then I joined him in October. 2014 here in New Zealand. Yeah, wow, okay, so it all happened very fast. Um, even though you had been associated in the same church, um, how well did you know him when you got married? And I guess you never had any time to see if there were any character issues, red flags? <laughs> I had no time uh, knowing him personally for who he is, his real character. I was not aware, I thought that, okay, he's old. And I'm young and in my thoughts that he's going to love me because of the age gap and then the same church, you know, I looked at him like, you know, he was a kind of like respected man, but that was in my thought of view. Yeah. So how long was it before his true character started showing through? See, I came in in New Zealand after a few weeks then I found out that he was drinking to my surprise and I started getting the abuse there. I cried like, I wanna go back home, but my mom said that I have to like, you know, think of my future and just stay, see how things go with the marriage. I stayed, I got abused when after two months, uh, I ended up with police um, uh, for him being an alcoholic and started um, throwing things at me when he's drunk. So he gets this bad temper when he's drunk. So can you yeah, describe a bit in more detail the abuse? Was it um, him just throwing things? Was it physical, sexual, verbal? Um, can you give us a bit more detail? When I'm... That first few months, it was physical because when he asks for something, like we, I must do what he says in his way, whatever he says, the way he wants for me to do it. And uh, it was throwing things, even stripping my top if I wanted to run out of the house or ask for help in the neighbor. And it was hard for me because there were no family or friends that I made when I moved in New Zealand. Yeah, you must have felt so alone. And then I started looking for work, which to at least get me out of the house. But when I started work, he started controlling my money, like where my wages, and even coming up to work, uh, following me at night to see if I'm having an affair, if I'm at work at that right moment or I was with somebody else. So, so high level uh, control. And then the police was involved because one of the staffs were worried about me, that for him checking on me at work, which is not um, inappropriate due to the place that I work at the hospital that he ended up 
uh, coming in the middle of the night to check on me. Mm-hmm. The trust. Yeah, that's great that your workmate actually picked up. Um, and I've been doing some training again in Fiji on um, just some of the signs in workplaces to know if um, your co-workers are being abused. And that's um, really great that they picked up on that. So he's worried about you having affairs, but he was having an affair himself. When I moved into New Zealand in 2014, I started finding out the heaps of women that he was dating, even paying the hotels for hookup girls at Hawks Bay. And I felt kind of, what am I? Like, I've heard stories that he's not faithful with women and the types of women he's been dating in New Zealand and back in Fiji sending money. And to myself, I thought, okay, what am I? Am I just here to be a doormat? To just get beaten around and say, to do this, to do that? To be a slave, which is, I want someone, I thought that he's gonna love me as a wife, but it was not, it was just the other way around. So what was this doing to you um, personally? What type of effect did it have on your mental health as a woman? I started getting anger, like the anger just built and there was no one that surrounded me that could help me at that very moment. I had thoughts of getting drunk and just, you know, I thought life was short, like I could have ended my life. And it really affected me that I end up like trying to commit suicide because there was no friends around that he cut friends to hang out with or even my workmates I can't hang out with. Mm -hmm. So were you sharing this with your mother back home and your mum's in Fiji, right? And one of my auntie that I share most, all of my problems with, because if I share it to my mother, she'll tell me to forgive him as a wife to play your role, which is really, it builds up that stress in me. And I just want to address that for a minute because I think families and churches are not helping. Um, and can I say here in Australia, a woman is murdered every week at the hands of her partner. So to say to your daughter, just forgive and stay with him, um, that is life threatening. And so I just want to make a plea to families out there. If your daughters or your sons are disclosing any type of abuse, believe them and help them. <laughs> there is no shame in getting help, I think. Um, and so we've got to take away the shame of our children being separated or divorced and actually look after their protection and their well-being. So please, um, that's just a big message that I have to families. Uh, and there is help. And so... Unfortunately, uh, and look, you know, they're probably thinking they're looking after your best interest, but they weren't. Let's now come to your church because all this while, while your husband is physically, sexually, verbally abusing you, he's um, a leader in your church. Yeah. He's a board member and the treasurer. Yes. And this is the deal with abusers. They're one thing behind closed doors, but they turn up to church looking like the perfect saint. So you reached out to your church pastors for help and um, they started giving you some counselling. And what happened? Was that counselling helpful? So we were going through problems with the marriage. So we asked for advice for 
the pastor and the wife if what is going on with my marriage and you know I'm not happy that he's being a leader of a church taking part in church in public he's a different person but when it's at home it's a total different so I asked for advice if they can have a chat with my ex-husband with me so there came to a time when we they approached him and they said that if you could talk or have a counseling and my ex-husband just told the pastor that I, I'm the one that needed it so we had a seat and then we agreed to have the chat to have the counseling but they were like all putting the blame to me for me to listen and I said how can I listen if he doesn't even love me for who I am because there's a different picture that he comes in church and act like my marriage is perfect. Nothing is wrong, but no, 100% nothing was perfect. At home, he would come and say, why are you talking like I was having an affair with other church members? I said, you have to talk to everyone that comes into church. It's like you welcome them as a new member. So we went through counseling and then we were trying to settling things, but later on, one of the members of the church, a lady in the WM ministry came to me, confronted me and said that, hey, the pastor's wife has gone and told every woman about what is happening in your marriage. And I just sat down at in the kitchen when we were doing the dishes and I just cried to her like, you know, I've been doing this and I didn't know all the women were looking at me like that because it was supposed to be confidential rather than going around and telling the woman what is going on. Heartbreaking. So when you initially went to your pastors, you just went by yourself and you told them, hey, I'm in danger. And yeah. did they, they didn't believe you? They, and when they, they didn't, be, like, for me, in my own view, like they didn't believe me and they told me for me to submit to my husband and listen to whatever he says because he's the leader of the church. And it is really unfair when they are trying to put that he's the leader and he's as a senior, one of the senior members. And I was like, no, this is not fair. Yep. And I'm just going to look at the camera again. Um, we have got to do better, church. This is, as I've said, a life and death matter. No woman is ever called to submit to abuse. Um, in fact, we're called to submit to one another. And uh, if a man is using the submit scripture so he can abuse his wife, this is so evil. And for us as church leaders to go along with this, Lord, forgive us. Um, Lord, help us because we will be held accountable for the way we help people. And I just want to say there's training. Uh, I'm willing to come and train. There's good courses, but the church can't give this type of advice anymore. It sounds spiritual, but it is so dangerous, um, just so dangerous. So I'm sorry that you have gone through that um, because to be thrown so often we've used scriptures to weaponize and justify our abuse. Um, and we forget that the verse before <laughs> wives submit to their husbands, it actually says, let's submit to one another. And then goes on to tell the husband to lay down his life for his wife. So um, how we just pinpoint that scripture. And so, yeah, it's, it's really problematic. So unfortunately, the church didn't help you there. So meanwhile, you're still living with this abusive husband and then one night again, you finally call the police. 
Is that what, what happened there where, where they turned up? So when I was going through church and then I left church, I was still going through um, abuse. I went into a separate room because of the fighting, the arguments when I have my daughter, which she was still a baby after one year. So this abuse, I have told myself, because I have caught him so many times, having an affair on social media, exchanging nude pictures. So I told myself, why should I give myself sleeping with him or having sex? So I had went into a separate room. I stayed with my daughter. So every night he would come and we will fall, we would fall asleep and he would start touching me, which I told him, I'm not gonna sleep with you. What you have done is so disgusting, paying hotels with other women here in Hamilton. And then you think that for me to submit to you and give myself, it's a big no-no. So he started coming in, trying to force me to have sex, which I said, no, how many times I have told him I can't. There came a time when I just said, no, this is enough. If he's acting like this outside, people respecting him outside, like as a church seniors, no, I'm gonna say no to this. And I just picked the phone and called the cops, the police. I told the police this has happened. I've told him to respect my decision because of this. And then my daughter was sleeping beside me and he didn't even respect that. So I had enough on this Sunday evening and I just called the police. I told them everything. They just removed him from the house same time. Wow. Same time. And now he's on eight yeah. accounts of sexual assault. His bail condition is one kilometre away from the house and no contact at all with me and my daughter. And to think that the church said go home and submit. Mm. So it happen in church I never step foot in church I just don't trust the members of the church because they can be good in front of you but they just walk out of the church or walk out of your house and they'll spread the gossip and they won't support you even I'm just so disappointed that the senior pastor's wife was supposed to support me in this as a woman but no, she just went around and spread the rumours about what was happening and for me to listen to my husband. No, it's, it's really not acceptable. And it's why people don't want to be a part of the church, can I say, um, because of the way we handle things. And um, now what, even though maybe you didn't get support from your family or your church, as you said, you had an auntie and I've met your auntie. She's a brilliant woman. Um, and so she has really walked with you beside all of this and given you the help that you need to get out. What, what role has she played in your life? She was there all along. There came to a time when I wanted to commit suicide when my ex-husband didn't do my papers. He was controlling my life with my work visa and my papers. He said, if you don't do this, I'm not going to do your papers. So I'm going to go a bit on how I managed to stay in New Zealand. So that abuse, what I went through, I was keeping all the evidence with me, which he didn't know. So I had my auntie and I was telling her everything that was happening. There came a time when my ex-husband didn't do my papers. I was living unlawfully in New Zealand after I gave birth. So 
with the help of all the abuse that I went through and the evidence I kept, I applied my work visa and my residency under the domestic violence category. So in 2020, I applied for my work visa and my residency. And in 2021, February, I got my um, residency in New Zealand. So all that evidence I've kept, I, my auntie, and then my auntie said, you have to stay strong and think of your kids. Don't you ever belittle yourself or think that this is the end of the road. So when I had no visa, I thought of committing suicide because I had no friends that would support me or real friends or church members. I had nothing. Like financially, I was, I don't have any work. There was no support. I just said, okay, this is it. Yeah. To commit suicide, but I went through counseling, asking for the AC or the government with a women's refuge to go through counseling, which helped me until today. I'm still going through counseling because of the trauma that I went through. Because it's not easy for an overnight to forget everything. So I thank my auntie for helping me with words and she prayed for me. She was there all along when I did my papers and whatever hardship I was going and for me to attend, not attend the church and look for the right church for me and my daughter. So I told auntie that. I'll find the right time and the right place to go to church with my daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Until today, I won't step foot in one of the Fijian church because what I've experienced, it's better I go to an interdenomination um, mm -hmm. rather than going into a Fijian church, honestly. So why are you chosen to speak up today and share your story? I've chosen to speak up today because it needs to be stopped, especially in the Fijian community church. And it's not a good thing. For us women, we have to support each other because we are the ones that we stay behind closed doors doing all the hard works. And the man is just out there pretending like they are doing everything which is not. Like as a culture, we need to put the culture aside and think of our happiness and think of our kids, especially I've got two daughters. I've told myself, no, I need to put a stop to this because I need to think of my kids. So for the ladies out there, if you're going through this, you have to stand up and learn to say no. Enough is enough and no, and step foot out there. Cause it's just when I go through this, it's a bit hard, but once you get out and you know your boundaries, you research your boundaries, then you're okay to survive anything yeah. without and in the church because we can go to church easily, pray and just enjoy our life with our kids. Yeah, well, thank you for raising your voice. Um, it takes courage. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm sad to say that women who do these interviews, um, we you will, there'll be a lot of people who encourage you, but unfortunately, um, Quite often there's people still who say you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't shame your ex or whatever. Uh, but Jesus is never silent in the face of abuse and evil and neither should we. So thank you so much for your courage, Mempsey. We wish you all the best for you and your children. 
Um, and you are a true fighter, so thank you for speaking up today. And again, I just want to particularly address church leaders. Um, please, if we're not for the broken, then we're not for Jesus. He's always on the side of the oppressed. He always listens to the pain and he believes them. And so are we hearing what Jesus hears in our churches and our communities? Again, please reach out to me if you would like some training. Get yourself equipped and let's be what the church should really be, an agent of hope and healing, not just for the people in our church, but for the communities. Uh, to think in the Pacific that two and three women are abused and they will be sitting in your churches. The men are hurting as well. And so let's disrupt silence, shame. Let's disrupt a culture that just hides all these things and be who truly Jesus wants us to be. So thank you for tuning in again today.